afternoon and evening. How's it going? Welcome to the Sneaky Emu, a place where we want to discover the wonder and the beauty of the world and the divine that is all around us that sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. How is life? How's How was Thanksgiving? How are you doing leading up to Christmas? I have great concern for most of you. Uh, This is episode number 61, believe it or not, episode number 61, and we're calling it Where's the Frolic? (laughs) Where's the Frolic? Uh, Now, before we get to all that, Mom, thanks for listening. Uh, I do need to give a shout out. I need to give a give a little give a little love uh, to my man Casey Whitaker. Ka- oh, should I have said his full name? Oh, take it back. It's just Casey. Casey uh, and Hannah were married uh, not too long ago uh, by my man Hank Hank Taylor. And he did their wedding, and he said it was a great time. And then Casey uh, had mentioned that he had been listening, even though uh, we haven't seen. I miss you, Casey. I know you moved. I miss you. Uh, I haven't seen you. I was looking at the pictures. I did not realize you have a giant beard. <laughs> I dig it. I'm envious of your beardiness. Anyways, congrats, man. That's I'm excited for you guys. Uh, so, 61, where's the frolic? A uh, couple weeks, couple, couple, couple weeks ago, I had started. I, I was doing this sermon series about uh, alternative wisdom, and we were talking about the sign of Jonah. And so, if you go to the church or if you follow along with what we're doing, it, it was a pretty good message. Um, so, I need to tell you just briefly about this before we can get to the frolicking. I, I think, yeah. So, a couple weeks ago, we're going through the sign of Jonah. And it's really interesting stuff, at least I, I I believe, did a whole whole message on it. So Jesus is performing all these signs all over the place in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. And then uh, in chapter, uh, let me see, like uh, chapter 12, yeah, chapter 12, people ask him, uh, some of the te- teachers of the law, they say, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus basically says, no, uh, the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so the whole conversation was based around this idea of Jesus isn't going to prove himself to the religious leaders by doing signs because he's been doing signs and they haven't picked up on it. It hasn't really made a difference. The the signs that he's doing actually have kind of a downside and it's kind of this idea. It's like if you give a mouse a cookie – if, if you're familiar with those books, if you give a moose a muffin, if you give a mouse a cookie, then he'll ask for a glass of milk. And if you give him a glass of milk, he'll ask for this. And it's like this whole concept, it's, you know, it's a kid's children's book. And it's just what you see in kids that if you give them the one thing, <laughs> then they're just going to keep asking. And then when you give them the next thing, they're going to ask for something else. So Jesus has already been giving all these signs. And then the religious leaders say, give us a sign. He says, no. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to keep playing the game that says I have to keep performing in order to prove myself to you so that I can validate, somehow validate myself in front, like in your eyes. And this is kind of the alternative wisdom thinking. We often play this game of earning and proving and striving to like make a name for ourselves, to gain something, to, I don't know, grow in our popularity or our status. And Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not, uh, you get the sign of Jonah. 
So we talked about what is the sign of Jonah. Sign of Jonah is essentially the sign of death. That uh, as Jonah was in the belly of the well of the fish for three days and three nights, he says, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So it's this sign of death. You go into the darkness, into the death, and then on the other side of that, what you find is new life. The, Jonah goes into the uh, belly of the fish. He's there for three days, three nights, in the darkness, in the death, this picture of death. Then the, the fish vomits him out, and then he begins this new path, this new journey, this new life. Jesus is, is crucified on the cross. He's in, in the earth for three days and three nights, and then he's resurrected. He's reborn, and then he begins this new life, this new resurrected life. So it's this really interesting kind of premise in light of what we usually think the goal and the purpose of what we're trying to do is. We're trying to grow, we're trying to gain, we're trying to earn, we're trying to prove, trying to it's all it really, really, really everything kind of ultimately always comes back to the ego. This is about the death of the ego, laying the self aside so that you can become this new thing. Uh it's 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 difficult, it's cool, it's it's a great story. So much of, of the alternative wisdom is about the death of the ego. So as I was going through this stuff um, and and this sign of death and then coming going through the darkness that leads to this new life, I was giving I was giving an example, uh, a few examples, personal examples where stuff I've gone through and how it's going through that darkness that I've, I've become stronger. Right? You, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know what I'm talking about. So I gave a few examples about you know stuff me and my wife have been through. Uh, a few examples of let me see here. I'm gonna go back and kind of look. Oh, <laughs> how when I first started preaching, this is kind of a funny. I thought it was a funny one when I first started preaching at this at this place. Uh, the local Christian television station had reached out and they they wanted they wanted to come interview me because they were like oh we've been hearing good things and you know doing cool stuff and you know we, let us help promote you and I'm like oh that's awesome like I'm just getting started and I'm already I'm going to be on TV granted it's the local Christian station who watches that <laughs> like I don't know anybody personally I'm I know there are it wouldn't exist if there wasn't but who who what is who cares like it's not a big deal so anyways i do the interview and have you know it goes well as far as i know and i'm really excited and i'm telling my parents i'm telling my friends telling the church whatever hey i'm going to be on the you know the tv and they're talking about us and and uh, we went through this whole thing and and then we had uh people uh, afterwards that were like reaching out to the church to ask about service times. I'm, I'm feeling really good about myself, <laughs> even though it's the Christian local Christian channel, uh, which uh, like at this point, I, like, I don't care. I, what, it, it doesn't matter. Anyways, at the time it felt like it was kind of a big deal. And, uh, after like a week or so of that, of my little clip airing, they did this thing where the next week they had a different guy with a different church talking about how great his church was and what a cool preacher he was and all this stuff. And it's like they just they just moved on. Like they just I was last week and that was a thing, and then it wasn't. They moved on to the next thing. And not only not only did they move on, they also have never asked me to come back. 
<laughs> which has been like, I mean, it's probably been five, six years now and never, never once <laughs> have been asked to go back. Again, not that I actually care. I just think it's funny. It's, it's like a station for Christians and for old people. I don't know. Maybe you watch it. I apologize <laughs> to any fans of this station. Anyways, uh, and, and so if my, the, the idea was if my ego was tied up in, in that, if, if that's how I validate myself, then I will never be fully satisfied. I will always be left wanting because uh, like this thing, everything kind of moves on, do you know? And so you, you have to, you have to find your validation and your self-worth in something bigger and something deeper. And so the idea was when you die to the ego, when you die to the self, you die to that need of validation of others in order to have a sense of who you are. So I gave another example. I'm getting to it. I promise I'm getting to it. And was talking about how, you know, I do these trail runs that we talk about quite a bit and how they, they no matter what they are, or where they are, they all kind of have this same trajectory to them. And that is, uh, you, you start out and there's this excitement and there's this anticipation of, of what's going to happen. You're a bit nervous. You, you run the race and, and you get into it and you get into a bit of a rhythm and it, and it's a fine thing and you feel pretty good about it. And then, uh, eventually the, the anticipation and excitement wears off and eventually the, uh, the rhythm uh, that you were in kind of becomes a bit of a burden. And then eventually uh, you get a few hours into these things and you, you get to the, am I going to die part of the race? <laughs> and then what I've noticed is it's like just on the other side of the, am I going to die part? It's usually not too long after that, that you get really close to the finish line. And then when you get really close to the finish line, you get this energy and this excitement and you know, your, your body and your mind are tired, but you're able to dig into this deeper reserve that you might not even have been aware that you had. And you charge the finish line with all you've got and you step across the finish line. And it's this, you know, this wave of emotions of joy and laughter and excitement and tears. And there's something, there's something very life-giving uh, when you know you've gone through the difficulty and come out on the other side, you have this different perspective. You have this new perspective on the whole thing. And that hard stuff, that difficult stuff that you go through somehow seems to make it, make that difficulty, uh, <clears throat> sorry, make that finish all the more sweet. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so I talked about how in this trail running community, there's a phrase that I've noticed on bumper stickers and shirts and stuff that when you're doing this kind of, of running is it, it's actually, it, it's, it's comforting. Maybe it's encouraging. And so this phrase is embrace the suck. <laughs> now I may have talked about this before, but I was using this in a sermon. And so the idea is, look, you're doing something really difficult and it's going to hurt and it's going to be painful and you're going to want to quit that's a part of the whole thing. So rather than fight it and be upset with it, embrace the difficulty, embrace the suck, because you know when you get to the finish line, the thing that sucked, that difficulty, that hurt, that pain, that hardship, <clears throat> it, it's going to make that crossing of the finish line uh, even greater than, than it would be if you didn't face any difficulty. 
So I go through this whole sermon, and at the uh, you know, sometime after that on that Sunday afternoon, I get a text from a gentleman who said, "I absolutely love that. Uh, I'm on Amazon right now. I'm going to order the shirt." <laughs> I'm like, oh, "That's awesome. Wait, good for you. Can't wait to see it. Whatever." So a couple weeks go by, and uh, this guy sends me a picture. And he says, can we talk? And it's a picture of him in his Embrace the Suck shirt. (laughs) He ordered it on Amazon from somebody and is now wearing it. Now, this gentleman has gone through some difficulties. Recently, he's gone through some some really, really hard stuff. He's gone through some – he's in the middle of a really dark time. I'll I'll not give you his details – but he's going through some some difficult stuff, and so we were talking through this, and 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 I mentioned, you know, I, I have a race coming up in, in a couple of weeks, and I've hurt. <laughs> Side note, I hurt my toe. I hurt it real bad. Uh, I was <laughs> we were playing <laughs> we we were playing kickball with my family on Thanksgiving, and the kickball popped, so we used a soccer ball for a kickball, and I was playing barefoot because of all the other stuff I've talked about on the podcast about the benefits of walking barefoot. That's a part of what I try to do now at my house. And I thought, well, I can, I grew up playing soccer, well, all this stuff. I can, I can kick barefoot. So I, <laughs> so I went to kick the ball and we have these little, like the plastic bases that you just throw on the ground. That's what my kids use. And when I, I stepped and I planted my my anchor foot on home plate, and when I did, home plate slipped out from underneath me, and then at, and it's all happening simultaneously. As I kick, I stub the ground and the ball with my toe, and then I slip and like do like a cartoon uh, movie scene where I <laughs> launch into the air and land flat on my back. It was a whole thing. It was a terrible scene. It hurt really bad, and now it's been uh, a couple weeks of my toe hurting, and I can't run, and I have a 31-mile race coming up in a week. So we were talking, when I was talking with this gentleman about everything, and I mentioned this, embrace. he mentioned the Embrace the Suck stuff. I go, yeah, dude, I got this race coming up. It's going to be bad. I can't run. I haven't been able to train. My toe's been killing me, and I'm going to be... It's the whole thing's going to suck. <laughs> and so I'm trying to mentally prepare in advance to embrace the thing that I know is going to be so very difficult. <laughs> so as we're talking through this whole ridiculous thing, he says something about, he goes, oh, he goes, man, that's, that's, that's no good. He said, I, f- I figured, you know, you just... He said, "Oh, you still got another week. You'll you'll get healed, and then you can just get out there and go frolic through the woods or whatever." And I'm like, "Dude, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I'm that's that's a 31 mile race through the woods is not something you can not train for, right? You need <laughs> you need to be training your legs and your and your lungs and all this stuff." And so I said, "I don't I don't think there's going to be any frolicking, dude. I think it's just." It's just going to be embracing the suck. And he's like, come on, where's the frolic? <laughs> where's the frolic? And I thought, oh, that's that's actually such a great line. Where's the frolic? 
Because when you start to put this idea of of the sign of Jonah, when you put the idea of going through the darkness, through the death, you know, of the belly of the of of the belly of the fish, Jesus in into the grave, and then coming out on the other side of it, it, it when you start to put that in connection with this, maybe even this idea of running, or even this uh, idea of of where's the frolic, it it started to all come together in. What, what I would say is a very hopeful, encouraging kind of idea. Okay, so so think about this. I think it's in, let me pull this up right here, uh, in, in John 16. Uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's going through all this stuff, and he says this little line, you may have heard it, we may have even talked about it before, but it, it's such... It's such an incredible thought and idea that I think sometimes we overlook or or maybe we don't even give it give it the proper merit. Okay, so Jesus is talking to disciples, John 16, verse 33. He says this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Right. This, this to me, this to me speaks volumes. In this world, you will have trouble. We know it's not an if you will have trouble. It's a when. It's going to happen. You will have times of hurt and pain and darkness and frustration and anger and all of these things. And I think there's some merit to the idea of somebody affirming the reality of difficulty. There's merit to somebody saying, yeah, this is going to happen. There's merit to this because it's it's not unexpected. And I, and I think for many people, that's that's one of the big things, isn't it? Is that we don't, we like to plan, we like to organize, we like to have things in place. And then when we have some sort of surprise or some sort of unexpected event or thing happen, it has the potential to throw us off, right? It, because it's it's taking, it's removing our perceived notion of control. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that was going to happen. I see this with my kids a lot. If I don't prepare them for something in advance, hey, this is what we're going to do. If I just spring something on them, they get a bit nervous about the whole thing. They They... Whether it's food, whether it's a situation, whether it's going somewhere. The other night, uh, my wife had ordered some HelloFresh. I guess she subscribed because she got a deal. You got to have a coupon. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we got a deal on the HelloFresh and she forgot to pick the meals. So they just sent us stuff. Well, they sent us stuff that isn't in like kind of our family repertoire. Repertoire? What? It's not what we usually eat. So it was like this. Uh, actually, it was pretty good, but it's not just not something we usually eat. But it was like a curry, uh, a, a creamy curry sauce with coconut rice or something. It ended up being pretty good. I'm not a huge, uh, I, I'm not over the moon about curry. So I kind of cut that recipe in half as far as the amount of curry. But uh, when I went to offer it to my kids, because there wasn't a previous discussion, they immediately turn their nose up at it. <laughs> we don't want anything to do 
with whatever this is that you're trying to force feed us. <laughs> right. Well, and this, this is like, this is what we do as adults. And, and uh, it's like going, going to a doctor's office and going to have some sort of procedure. If you've, if you've known somebody that has had the same procedure and told you about it and you know what to expect, it's, it's never as scary as just showing up. I, ha- I had a, a, a little, a, a little minor, little minor operation not too long ago. Uh, you know, the one where it ensures that kids will not uh, uh, spring from my wife's womb from me. <laughs> uh, so I talked to a few guys who have already gone through the process. And so when I went, I had an idea of what to expect. I wasn't nervous. I knew this is how it goes. This is this is how things will will play themselves out. And and everything was it was okay, right? Yeah, there was a, a bit of uncomfortableness, but there there wasn't this overwhelming sense of fear. There wasn't this hyper concern, you know, all this stuff. So when you have somebody that is able to affirm that this thing you're getting ready to do or this life that you're going to live, it will involve some difficulty. It gives you this starting place. It gives you this, this like base of knowledge that says, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I can expect. And when I know that this is something that I can expect, then it helps, uh, it helps me or it helps us to walk through the difficulty with, with a little bit more confidence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I I, I knew that was going to be a thing. So Jesus says, "In this world, you will have trouble. It's going to be a thing. You can plan on it. You can expect it. Life is never going to be rainbows and unicorns and a beautiful, blissful uh, utopia of of non problems. There there will be something that will show up along the way." that you will have to deal with. And it may be difficult and it may be hurtful and it may be painful and it may cause you a lot of anger and frustration. So if all of this is the case, if we know that there's going to be things uh, that will cause, that will be difficult, if we know that uh, this idea of, with with, uh, the sign of Jonah, if we know that on the other side of the death and darkness, there is new life. If we know we have, if we know we can expect trouble, if we know we can expect darkness, but we also know that on the other side of it is there is something good waiting for us, then maybe we should shift or change our perspective from seeing the hurt, the pain, the darkness, the struggle, the difficulty that we're facing as being this insurmountable, uh, end of things, maybe we should shift our way of thinking about this stuff to to understanding that this is part of how it goes and that there will be something good on the other side. And when we do that, it allows for me to have a completely different approach to the things that I'm facing. So if I am running this race in whenever, a week or two, and I know that it's, there's going to be some difficulty. And I know that, and there's a lot of questions about uh, how much pain will my toe give me during the race? 
when I know it's going to be a bit difficult and when I have this mentality of embrace the suck, right? Take in, lean into the difficulty, understanding it, then it allows me to move from, uh, it allows me in that difficulty to not be, uh, how do I say this? It allows me to look for the frolic. Does that make sense? If I'm if I'm running this race and I'm going through the difficulty and the hurt and the pain and I'm embracing the suck, it's not just that I have to live in that hurt. It's that I can now, knowing that there will be an end to this and knowing that at the finish line, the difficulties I go through now will make the finish line all the more sweet, then why would I not want to make the most of that moment? Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. Yes, my legs want to give out. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if you move this into like life, yes, I'm experiencing maybe this minor depression. Yes, I'm, I'm frustrated and angry. But rather than just sitting in that and thinking this is the end, doesn't the knowledge that on the other side is new life, doesn't that allow me to keep my eyes open? Doesn't that allow me to look for moments where I can, in fact, frolic as I'm going through the difficulty. Where's the frolic? Rather than seeing this difficulty, this darkness as the end, rather than allowing it to take some deep toll within me, in this world you will have trouble. Yeah, it's going to be a thing. But just because it's a thing doesn't mean I have to respond to it in a particular way. I can respond to it with a sense of knowing that there is this anticipation of the thing that's coming. There's this anticipation of what's next. So I can be open to finding moments of joy, finding moments of respite, finding moments of peace, finding moments of comfort in the middle of the difficulty. I can look for the frolic. I can take that moment and have like this bounding energy and joy as I continue to run the trail even in the middle of the hurt and the pain. Does that make sense? I, I think it does. It, it, it moves us from a place of just enduring to a place of appreciating the present. There's a big difference from embracing the suck to looking for the opportunities to frolic. I love that picture, by the way, like the imagery that goes through my head. It's, and if you think about, you know, like a guy running on a trail, like I will be doing, it moves it from a guy who's weary and beaten down with his head face down to the ground, who's shuffling and dragging his feet in pain and, and misery and agony. It moves that picture into a picture of a guy who is experiencing pain, but he's running with his head up. He's enjoying and appreciating the, the environment in which he has found himself in, and he's got a bit of a lightness to his step. He's, he's, <laughs> he's tiptoeing through the garden. He's tiptoeing through the woods. There's, there's something light about it, and, and it's this picture of, of, of joy as he frolics through the forest. Do you see the big difference? Yeah, so... What is the thing that you're facing now? What is the thing you're dealing with? What is the heaviness? What is the darkness? Is there uh, any sort of relationships that you're struggling with currently? 
Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever. What is that darkness? Maybe it's something at work. Maybe you've got a really difficult situation you're dealing with and you've got to make a hard decision. Maybe it's, maybe it's something just within the self. You know, I know, I, who did I, oh, I talked to a lady the other day that said we were talking about uh, the winter solstice and the light and the darkness and how, how Christmas, how and why Christmas is on the 25th and how it actually used to be connected to the winter solstice. And solstice is the shortest day of the year, longest night of the year, and how it's a couple of days after the solstice that the sun uh, begins its ascent into the sky. And so that's why all these people around the world have always celebrated winter solstice. It's like this rebirth of the sun. And so she was talking about how she had suffered from, what is it, like the seasonal seasonal something disorder, where basically when you don't see the sun for several days, like when you live up north and it's cold and gray, you you experience it on a deeper level, maybe even some sense of depression, maybe uh, just just a lowness. And so she was talking about how she this was something that she has dealt with for a while, and how when we talked about the winter solstice and the rebirth of the sun, it actually gave her a new perspective on what she was dealing with, and allowed her to see how that could be an opportunity for her. So I thought, oh, that's that's really fascinating. Right, she's looking. She's looking to move from the place of darkness. She's looking to move from the place of seeing that difficulty, that darkness, as this this slog that she's struggling to endure and trying to get through. And she's trying to find the lightness in it. She's trying to find the joy in it. She's trying to find where's the frolic. Do you know? Yeah. 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 So I think that there's something there's something quite powerful here when you know and understand that this difficulty that you're facing is nothing new. It's nothing new. It's 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 a thing. It's something that happens. It's something we all face. You are not alone. What will make the difference in the deep in this in this darkness, in this difficulty, what will make the difference in all of it? really comes back to perspective, doesn't it? It all comes back to perspective, your perception. If I see this difficulty as overwhelming, as too great, as something, as the end, I will miss out on the joy that is that is possible in the moment. I will miss out on the frolicking. I will miss out on the lightness. I will miss out on all of this stuff. Jesus says, no, no, no. I've told you these things so that in him you may have peace. I'm telling you that you will have difficulty so that you know when the difficulty comes, I told you this was going to be a thing. I told you what the operation and the surgery would be like. So take a breath and trust in me because there, and it's in this that you will have a sense of calm, that you will have a sense of knowing. I had a sense of peace as I'm laying on the operation table, knowing that the guys who have gone before me have told me what happens and told me that what's waiting for me on the other side. And Jesus said, I've already done this stuff. I've already overcome the world. You will have troubles, but in me you will find peace because I've already told you that this is a thing, but also know that there will be an end to this thing and know that I've already taken care of all the issues and all the problems. So take heart.
Find the frolic. Where is it? Look for that. Find the lightness in the middle of the difficulty. Find the little places that you can find laughter and joy and peace and love. Find the places of beauty. Find the goodness in the middle of the darkness. I'm sure Jonah was struggling to find to, to find the frolic in the fish for three days. I'm sure he was struggling. And what he doesn't, what he might have, what he didn't know that we know now is that it's on the other side of the darkness that new life will be found. So where's the frolic, my friends? Where is the frolic? You, you lean into the heaviness and the darkness with the understanding that it's not the end and you find opportunities to celebrate, to express joy. You find opportunities in the difficulty, in the darkness, in the death <sighs> to run lightly through the woods. There you go. Let's go ahead and call that a day. Where is the frolic? It doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to be a drudgery. It doesn't have to be a slug, a schlag, a what? It doesn't have to suck that bad. You embrace it, you lean into it, and you look for the places of joy. You look for the places of lightness. Where's the frolic. You tiptoe through the woods <laughs> like a like a antelope enjoying a beautiful spring day. All right. Thank you guys for being here today. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode number 61, Where's the Frolic? Mom, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you We're here later. to unlearn the teachings of the church